hello, and welcome to another episode of Sufficiently Black, the podcast that explores what it means to be comfortable in your blackness. I'm Amari Pollard here. I'm one of your co-hosts here with... Kia Swinton. And Janae Price. Yes, we're very sing-songy today, guys. Welcome. If you're just joining us, we're happy to have you here. Also, feel free to join us in our Discord and chat with us on social media, on Instagram and Twitter, at Sufficiently Black. Yeah, so let's just get into it. How's everything going with everyone? I hate the winter, as you know. It's my personality trait. Um, Winter and holidays. Yeah, you know, that's funny because I was going to tweet, like, the Ted Lasso Christmas episode is one of my favorites. And I was thinking of Amari. That's (laughs) so out of character. I know. I just watched it. And I was actually feeling very Christmassy. I don't know what's going on. Because I was looking at Christmas bars and all the stuff that I want to accomplish during Christmas season. Um, I actually like Christmas. Let me, so people don't think I'm a Grinch. I like the concept of Christmas, I like the concept of eating, family, friends, singing, a lot of my, singing and You don't like the capitalistic version of Christmas. I do not like how you're shoving it down my fucking face October 1. Like, it's it's aggressive. I don't like it. I agree. Like, stop shoving it down my throat. That's fair. I think it's, it's too much. It's like really out of hand and for me it's out of hand because I have just realized that winter is kind of a shitty season my entire life I've been like winter is great because my birthday's in winter and now I'm like the shit is cold going outside is hard it gets dark hella early and when we hit October 1st and people are like Christmas and then we hit October 31st and people are like Christmas, I'm like, bro, why, why are we pushing ourselves further into winter when we don't need to be like it's still fallout, girl. I'm trying to enjoy my fall. Honestly, I'm only going to say the older I get, the more willing I am to like push Christmas for me personally. I'm not pushing it on anyone just for me and my viewing. I push it up because the holidays really just do make me happy and it's just that feeling and adulthood is hard and sometimes it just needs simple joys and that might mean watching a holiday movie in the middle of October instead of a Halloween movie. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying <laughs> do what brings you joy. There's so no, little of it sometimes. That's fair. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm also with the like, I saw this TikTok that was like, let's stop stop saying that we shower three times a day when we don't. I thought it was really funny because I'm like Who yeah, says they shower three times a day? Apparently I don't know it's a TikTok thing and she was like you you don't like just shut up and that's how I feel about like fall and winter where it's like everyone's like I love fall. I love the fall outfits and all this stuff. First of all if you live in Jersey it's fall for two weeks maximum. Max. And you're putting out that winter jacket. Let's be real. And second of all you don't like the cold like that so why are we fronting? I just hate when people try to lie and it's like you want me to sound crazy but really winter sucks let's be honest besides the holiday this shit is brutal it gets dark at five it's cold as shit i'm lacking vitamin d i look bare like borderline white and i don't want to look like that so let's stop let's stop lying that we love Kayla, winter but she auditioning like- for the move the role in passing <laughs> damn damn oh my God. Bitch, you too. Y'all can be be the two main characters. Don't pull me into this shit. I'm not light skin. 
<laughs> I'm Tessa Thompson though, because I I like to be compared to and her. And I'm not in the movie because I'm not light skin anyway. Yes, you are, bitch. Okay. <laughs> Notice how she turned off her video. <laughs> she said, "I don't need to see the proof." Moving on. I only brought you into it to make Kia feel less alone. Sorry. Don't Sorry. do that. Don't do that. That was funny. Um, I'm having a hard time looking forward to anything right now because I have a big Damn. life event coming up soon. And it's been like the only thing on my mind. You're pregnant. Yes, I'm Your pregnant. Oh, I'm pregnant. No. By the Lord Jesus. <laughs> Immaculate conception? No. <laughs> the BTS concerts are coming up oh, and God. shit is getting hectic. I, okay. Those of you who know me know that I'm also planning a birthday trip. Honestly, I am not thinking about that much right now. Like the only thing that I can focus on at the moment is the BTS concert and how much shit I have to do before that. And I'm just like, that's it. Wait, what do you have to do before that? Can you just, Okay, I don't know. And in general, this winter is about to be hectic as hell, right? So I have to go home for Thanksgiving where it's gonna be my mom's birthday. Then I'm coming back to New York. I have about two days to get my hair done and my nails done, which thankfully we've kind of figured that out. Then I'm flying to LA for the concerts. One of the concert days is still kind of up in the air. We're still trying to figure out if we can get tickets. And depending on that, I'll have to figure out a place to stay and extend or change some of my flight stuff. So it's like, and I'm still kind of trying to figure out outfits too, because I just want to look like a baddie. So yeah, I'm also trying to figure out my workout schedule because I want to look snotched just in case I get like, you know, scooped up. So you're not finding your husband on a BTS counter though, unless you're gay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe your wife. Don't. I was going to say, unless we want to. Go that way. Stop but. squashing my dreams. You never know. I'm just saying. Kim Nam June can see me in in the crowd and be like, I'm in love. Not Jimin? Oh. I have a weird thing with Jimin. I don't really think Jimin is husband material. He's the man who's gonna like ruin me and like destroy my entire life with his toxic love. Although he is my bias. Which, for those non-K-pop stands, your bias is your favorite. Your bias record is your second favorite. So wow. Jimin is my favorite. Namjoon is my second favorite. I do not see Jimin as husband material, though. I see Namjoon, my bias record, as husband material. What that says about me, I don't know. But So, busy times, that's all I can focus on. Hmm. There's, I don't know who sings it. There's a song, but like... He about to, I want you to ruin my life. Want you to ruin my life? Yes, Darla yeah. Larson. Yes. I want you to ruin my life. Yeah, fuck my life. That's what you want Jimin to do. He would ruin my life. Ruin it. No, I feel like I've had that type of love lust, and I'm like, I think I'm good and on that. And that's why I'm kind of like. Me too, it actually did ruin my life. That's why I'm like, Nam June is husband material. Jimin is not. I gotta look him up. Kim Nam June. Daddy June. Eh. But anyway, I'll... The toxic thing is, yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope it goes well. Keep us updated on that. I will. I'm stressed, but it's fine. It'll all work out. My thing, actually, I wrote down was like, oh, I'm excited for the getaway, which includes your birthday. But then you're like, I don't really care about my birthday. 
<laughs> and okay, I'm, I'm like, okay. I'm one of those people that I cannot be excited about things until they get closer. So like the BTS stuff, oh, I'm just kind of like stressed about getting everything done that I need to get done and making sure everything's in order. And then I'll be able to get excited about it. Like when I'm on the plane to L.A., now I can't be excited about it. And it's the same thing with my I birthday. I'm not going to get excited about my birthday until I'm like on the way to the airport. Then I'll be like, ooh, or maybe until like I start buying outfits and shit because I haven't started buying outfits for it either. I did because I'm a wreck. But just for context, <laughs> that Janae is going to the DR for her birthday. Yes. I will be attending. My other friend is going to Cancun. I will be attending. And then I'm also going to LA and I'm going to Iceland because I Wait, hate you're going winter. to Iceland? Wait, you're going to Iceland yes. and you're saying you hate winter. I do Y'all but be listen, traveling listen, the world. context, context, context. Okay. I hate winter, yes, I hate the cold, but Iceland you have to go at a certain time to see the northern lights. So I can't be going to Iceland in like June, not going for the whole reason that people go to Iceland, you know? So I was like honestly I'll be happy just not to be here. So I think I'm like, yep, Iceland, book it. So yes, I, your girl will be out and about because I'm telling you, I think I got three more of these in in me, and she will be moving to the south, okay, in three years probably because I don't know if I can handle it, or I'm gonna be broke traveling for three months to not be here. So, girl, I get it. My bank account is looking shameful right now, but you know, we lost two years of our damn lives. And in those two years, I saved up some money. I got my shit together. My credit looking cute. My apartment looking cute. It's time to go. Hey. It's time to go. Hey, it's time to go. It's time to go. I'm doing all this before I move because I'm like, it's a hard move out date. March 1. Thank you, parents, for pushing that deadline. A hard, a hard start (laughs) March 1 of 2020? Okay. 2022? Yes. Kia, that's coming up. Yes. Yep, hard start, hard start. Okay. So yeah, just stay tuned. You're, <laughs> I'm ready. My my friends always like March 2022. Key's gonna be out in the streets because I keep telling her I'm on a cleanse until March 2022. She's gonna be <laughs> out. Out. Okay. I'm sick of these cleanses though. Dudes need to not, get ready because I'm sick of cleansing. Okay. Not a Kia after a cleanse and also being living by herself. I know that's gonna be a crazy time. Wait. And I'm gonna be more uh, uh, not looking passing because I'll be in the sun. Can I tell our listeners how I fumbled the bag epically this weekend? Oh yes, please. All right, y'all. Janae has a going out story. Um, so one of me and my good friends, she's newly single, so we were like, yeah, we're gonna have a girls' night on Saturday. That was yeah, we're gonna have a girls' night. Sorry, I did that Janae speak thing. But anyway. I love it. I love it. So we went out. It was pretty dry. We were just hopping around Chinatown. We ended up in this one bar. And I know that you guys will understand what I'm talking about when it's like you go to young bars when you're in your mid to late 20s and you go to these bars where like the target audience is a solid 23 and you're like, what the fuck? I'm I'm an I'm a boomer right now. Uh, But anyway, we 
it was so dry that we ended up coming back to this very young bar in Chinatown. Um, and while there, the first time we were there, I noticed the guy, but me and my friend were making fun of all of the people in his friend group because one of them was just like this awkward dude who was very lanky and he thought he was killing it on the dance floor and he wasn't doing shit. He wasn't doing nothing. And I was saying to my friend that one of the guys in the group was cute and he was doing a little two-step and I was like, see, that's, that's how you do it. He was a man of color. So I was like, that's how you do it. It looks so much better when men of color are out there cutting a rug instead of awkward, lanky white men. But anyway, I digress. So we came back to the bar after hopping around, hip hopping around. And we were standing there. We ended up standing next to this guy's group of people. Um, and we were just talking. I was literally mid putting on chapstick looking around and I looked down and the guy who I thought was cute before was staring at me and we did an awkward like two beat looking at each other like oh and then he smiled and waved at me and then I was like oh this is this is awkward so I just smiled and waved back and then um like we just went about our night whatever but it hit me it hit me like a ton of bricks when we were calling our ubers like i don't know 30 minutes an hour later i was like i could have talked to that guy and i didn't do it and this is like the second or third time this shit has happened where i've had this is like the second time in like the last three months yeah that i know of (laughs) it's like the third Damn. I'm really bad. God be answering your prayers and you be shutting it in his face. I be praying all day long. Like, will a man that I'm attracted to talk to me? And then a guy is like, hi. And I'm like, hi. So. Well, God, I won't fumble the bag. So if you just want to bless me, I'm ready. (laughs) We'll see. Jesus said, divert your energy from Janae. Please don't. (laughs) And put it to me. Jesus, keep on giving me these experiences so I can learn and grow and know, recognize. Because I don't be recognizing in the moment. I just get nervous. And I'm like, why the fuck is this dude looking at me? And then I look back and I was like, he was looking at me in like a way. But I just was... I think I do the opposite. I think I'd be thinking like, oh, this is an assist and it's not like I'll give you an example today. I was looking through my this is also well, I'll talk about it with Amari segment, but I'm like a lot of men that I used to mess with are are having children or had children. I'm like, this is this is triggering. That episode was triggering. But anyway, um, the one person I this is like my first crush ever in um, freshman year of high school pretty sure he has a kid now um but he was messaging me he's like oh do you know any like you know are you familiar with the somerset area so i'm thinking okay he's about to ask me out or whatever it's going down my new guys i haven't had a crush in like forever so this is exciting for me even though i do not want this man and he has a child with someone else but i was like hyped about it and then he was like oh do you know any food bars stuff like that so i'm like oh he's definitely gonna ask me out then i sent him the list and he's like thanks period and I'm like, <laughs> legit. He only asked you because you be posting food sometimes on your Instagram story. He says she know where the good food is. Damn. He's probably gonna take another bitch too. I was like, no, bitch. You need to. You need to step up your game. I need to start charging people because the amount of people that ask me for food wrecks is about to be my job. Okay. And That's I feel hilarious. embarrassed. Damn. You should come work for Thrillist. You should come work for my company, girl. I should. Honestly, like, can't be talking about that food. She said, "Where you go on a to a bacon festival this past weekend I or did. something?" I did. I go to bacon fest. Well, it was it was interesting. This Friday, Kia and I are 
doing things again. So hopefully about me. Amari, you're jealous. You're jealous. we'll be doing two of my favorite things which is eating and going to a comedy show yeah so maybe hopefully fingers crossed um we can i will be able to catch a pass thrown to me and kia will get a good ball thrown her way i was really i just need a i just need a a partial (laughs) and assist and then i can i'm a closer okay we're gonna do it we're we're gonna be alley open and i think i ordered some leather pants for the concert and i think they're gonna be in before we go out so i'm gonna be wearing leather pants okay but anyway (laughs) should we get to this week in black history we should (laughs) we were like we're gonna keep this intro short i know (laughs) i know uh, we'll, we'll I love our out. talk, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's entertaining. Okay, this week in Black History, November fourteenth, nineteen sixty, U.S. Marshals and parents escorted four black girls to two New Orleans schools. You guessed it, racism. Um, November fifteenth, nineteen seventy-nine. A study compiled by the Anti-Defamation League indicated a sharp rise in the KKK activity. The study said Klan membership in 22 states increased from 8,000 to 10,000 in the 20-month period ending in November 1979, and that the number of sympathizers grew from 30,000 to 100,000. So sorry to, to start that on a... I got you in a moment, but I just felt like it was relevant. One, the first one about escorting black girls to school. This is the 1960s, which means this is our parents' generation or coming into our parents' generation of being born. And I just thought that was relevant because I feel like there's a lot of talk about critical race theory and that white people don't want us to talk about black history essentially and that I think they feel guilty about it because I don't know this is somebody's white mommy and daddy who were harassing these black girls that needed to get escorted so so that was interesting and the other one 1979 is not that long ago can't do math that's about 40 years so again our parents generation um and that the sympathizers grew from 30,000 to 100,000 so that's 70,000 more people were like, yeah, the KKK is good. Um, and I just thought that was not too far ago. And then I went to Bacon Fest, as I mentioned, and me and my friend saw a white man with a swastika pin. And I was like, white people are f-ing crazy. And it was embarrassing. I was like, really a swastika pin, my guy? Like, are we still doing that in 2021? I guess we are. Of course um, we're still doing that in because yeah, America like, is a, everything is it. a twilight zone we're just living the same things over and over again and no one's really actually learning I mean we've been in a pandemic for how long now two years and people are still refusing to wear masks and get proper vaccinations and you know do what needs to be done and it's like okay yeah we're really just gonna be in this Speaking of that, I was so embarrassed. Well, I, I, you know, everybody knows I'm from Hicktown, okay? It's very obvious. Um, but my friends were here for Bacon Fest, and I was like, yeah, we can drive. So the swastika thing was embarrassing. But two, I, like, drove through town, and these motherfuckers are having a protest for unmasking kids. And I was just like, you have nothing better to do on a Saturday morning to protest in the cold about a cloth over your mouth. That is really, that's what we're doing. And people fail to realize 
it is helping so many of y'all out with y'all nasty, crusty teeth. It really is. Smiles. Y'all be getting dates that you ain't supposed to get. The thing that's crazy, the thing that's like astounding to me is that people always talk about how the flu is deadlier than COVID. Adiaa, blah, 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 blah. I don't know the facts. I don't know the numbers. I'm gonna just be straight up. But even if the flu is five times deadlier than COVID, you still get vaccinated for that. They still push vaccines for that, which people have been getting for decades now. So shut the hell up and just get it. I don't get the issue. My thing is on an average day, none of us actually know what we're putting in our bodies. Mm -hmm. When we eat food, we Mm -hmm. don't know where that food comes from. We don't know what ingredients are in there. And we just stuff them in our bodies. People do. Do y'all know what's in like literally anything? Name like one thing, unless you're like really hardcore vegan. I can't tell you. You don't know. If I know something has a potential to. to, Right. But if something has the potential to save me, to save other people, to make sure that we're healthy and can at least gather and feel a little bit more comfortable being around people, I'm going to do it. So I got my booster. Still feel a little sore, but I got my booster. Hey, Um, Amari, do you want to bring us into what you found on the Internet? Yes, y'all. Things I found on the Internet. live for Sundays. All my shows come on Sundays. I got my Real Housewives of Potomac. I got my um, Insecure and Twitter is always on fire, specifically black Twitter. Um, So clearly with this past episode, also guys, warning, if you haven't watched uh, episode three of Insecure, skip this part because we're going to spoil a lot. Um, A bunch of people were tweeting and there's this one tweet about uh, it's a, a photo of Beyonce and it goes, they said no parenting plan of any kind, just text and vibes. And this is in reference to Lawrence and Condola. And I'm honestly not a, I'm not a, I've never been fond of Condola, but I found myself riding for her so hard this past episode because Lawrence keeps Lawrence and himself up and just messing up and acting in like retrospect, like I don't get what I did wrong. And it's like, there were so many chances for you to prove that you were going to be there and you didn't do it. And now you want to be mad at her for feeling some type of way. I mean, granted, I get it. It's layered. It's complicated. But here we are expecting a woman to mother more or we're, our episode is about black women mothering. Uh, we're putting so much of the responsibility on Condola and so many people are blaming her for this situation. And I'm like, does it not take two people to procreate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, now that I think about it, maybe Lawrence has like pretty privilege because I uh, see duh. in every single solitary episode that he's been in, he messes up in some... It's a small way, but it's high key. It's low key, a big way. And he's like, well, what did I do wrong? I did nothing. I've been here. I offered to take the kid. And it's like, bro, you haven't spent any sleepless nights. You're still a bachelor. You put a crib together and you over here on some, at least I'm here. What? Boy, stop. 
out of here. Yeah, there's 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 a laundry list of things that was wrong with Lawrence. I think the main thing for me is that like just seeing the comments on Twitter and talking to people and just like y'all really hate women. That's really what it is, and y'all will let men do the ba- the worse than bare minimum. I don't even know what's called at this point because. If that's the minimum, I don't even know if society has a chance of fucking surviving the next hundred years because y'all be doing the absolute most to defend men. Oh, Kia, we know we're not going to survive the next hundred years. I thought that was a given. (laughs) You're right. I just want people to know because I'm just like, like I said, a lot of y'all are are Lawrence's. A lot of y'all are Molly's. A lot of y'all are Issa's. And a lot of your mothers are Condola's. See, and that's where you... That's where you hit it out the goddamn park right there. Because I will say that maybe Condola came off as a bit, not necessarily overbearing, but she wasn't letting Lawrence in. But can you blame her when he hasn't been there at all? And you're putting this life that's so important to you in his hands where he really hasn't taken any initiative? It's like, okay, yeah, maybe she didn't text him a list of what he needed to do, but should she have to? Should she have to text him and say, hey, let's plan the communion instead of him just saying, yeah, just let me know. No, you should be there saying, let's plan this. The The very first scene when, when um, he went to the hospital, I'm like, why is this Negro going home and drinking with his friends? I was like, he should have been like, I'm staying in the hospital, period. I don't care if your sister and your mama give me a dirty look. I'm staying here tonight. My son was just born. I'm kind of like... And the mom was very nice. It was really just a sister. The mom was nice. It was awkward, but the mom was nice. So it's like... Yeah. And I understand people... Sorry, Janae, what were you going to say? No, you're fine. Go. No, I was just going to say, like, I I understand people saying, like, how could they not have come up with a plan? But I think we're actually being kind of short-sighted. My boyfriend calls me, um, was he's like the sex educator because I'm always saying, because I'm just always like listing off things and I'm paranoid. But my thing is, if you are willing to take off the condom and lessen your protection, y'all need to have a conversation about the plan from that point. Y'all need to say, what's gonna happen if someone accidentally gets pregnant? What are our thoughts on this? So then you already know if that accident happens, you've had that talk, you know where each other stands. Like that's when those planning things should have already happened. That's my personal opinion. Cause that's I like to plan. Common sense, but I just don't like how many how many do let's be honest, how many people are are sleeping with people raw that they don't like? I think that's where Just because like, I like you doesn't mean I want to have your baby. I agree, Amari, but I'm just saying like how common is that that it's like like Lawrence was like, You blew up my life. You fucked her raw. Am I getting something wrong? Like you liked her when you were fucking, but now now she blew up her life. Okay, like let's make it make sense. Like, you know what I'm saying? And then people were like, Oh, why did Condola have a baby with someone she didn't trust? At the moment, Condola trusted him, but clearly Lawrence has proved that he is not there when it comes to fathering. The thing was like, right, because she got pregnant when they were together, they broke up and she found out after the fact. Also, people do not realize how long it usually takes women to know that they are actually pregnant. So it's not like she planned it. Not like she tried to trap him. It's not easy to just unpregnant yourself. Like, exactly. that's not an easy decision to make, especially, and, and I feel this too. I feel like I'm at an age right now, if I were to get pregnant, it would be a ridiculously selfish decision to get an abortion. 
just period. Financially, am I the most stable? No, but I'm financially stable enough to take responsibility for my actions. And they are older than us. We in our late 20s, they in their 30s. So it's kind of like sitting there, why would Condola keep the baby? Because she wants to have a... I'm not even going to argue with that because y'all are dumb. Y'all are real dumb. And do you know how hard of a decision that is and how traumatizing that is like so i'm supposed to abort my baby because lawrence finally got his life together at 32 i'm supposed just just yeah just like listen how y'all sound because it's crazy to me that y'all would say she should abort the baby because lawrence got a job yeah let's 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 think about that and let's also talk about what having children does to women in the workplace. Mm. Condola was on her shit. She already had her stuff together. Already she was well it. in her career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And historically, women having babies does not help their careers. It puts them behind. You know, and a lot of people, as we've seen now during the pandemic, there was a large portion of the workforce that le- had to leave their jobs were mothers. They were also a lot of black and brown mothers. Like, I just don't think we, like, I, I really just think none of them actually wanted to have a kid together, but it happened. And they're just each trying to, like, you know, I feel like Kintola was just trying to do the what she thought was best. I just think people are very harsh on her. And mind you guys, I'm not Team Condola, but I still <laughs> feel this way. I'm Team Condola, and I will ride with her to the end. I'm Team Condola. I don't remember all of last season. I watched it, but I don't remember all of it. But right now, I'm Team Condola 100%. She ain't do nothing wrong in my eyes. She ain't do nothing wrong. I love Issa, so I'm always Team Issa. But like, I can I can say when I when I feel like something's right and something's wrong, and I just feel like the way people are coming at Condola is very sideways, and it's like. I think, like, Insecure is such a good show because I think a lot of people have so strong feelings about this because it's like, you know, they have baby daddies they're having issues with. They, you know, it's just, like, a lot of relatable things. But I think, like, what the showrunner said is, like... He was like, it's just funny because a lot of y'all, he's he gave the Molly example. A lot of y'all hate Molly, but you are a Molly. And I think it's also just showing, like, how, like... I know it's supposed to be fun, but, like, it really is showing how misogynistic our, our um, society is and, I'm going to say, our community because I can only, I'm black. That's all I can speak for. Y'all misogynistic, okay? Like you said, and I think a lot of people's mamas was condolas. A lot of a lot of y'all mamas are a condola, and y'all sitting here talking about condola ain't shit, da-da-da-da-da. Say that to your mom. Say that to your single mother. Like, let's keep that energy. Let's see what she says. Okay, because y'all really need to be slapped in the face. And I also think it's just like, y'all hated Tasha. Called her a hoe a million times because she had sex with Lawrence when he was single. But Lawrence is cool, right? But he gave everybody, like, chlamydia. But y'all are cool. Y'all are still Team Lawrence. And I just think it's crazy that whoever Lawrence is involved with, Issa's a hoe because she cheated. <laughs> Tasha a hoe because she got a fat ass. Condola a hoe because she didn't want to abort. And it's like, but Lawrence is good, right? Like, I don't know. It's just, it's giving weird. <laughs> it's giving weird. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like we could talk about this all day. We could, but the good thing is it segues into our wider discussion, which is why do people expect black women to mother others? It's just something we've been talking about. Janae was actually the one who kind of like spearheaded bringing this conversation because it's just something that we've noticed a theme come up in our daily lives and just like how we are, things we observe in the workplace, our personal lives, our relationship, our relationships. Um, 
and it's like black women like people expect a level of patience and like empathy from us that is just like not usually reciprocated so we just wanted to get into it yeah amari that was that was beautifully said um to dive deeper i'm coining this phrase i'm coining it the motherfication of black women it sounds very like are you writing a dissertation yes i am i am (laughs) um but just to explain it a little more um in relation to white people we typically see black women um and this can be it can be betrayed with like black gay men straight men but it's mostly black women uh used as a type of spirit guide on the silver screen the motherfied black woman she's nurturing gives advice and is a bit um subservient to the white people around her uh she really has no backstory of her own her only job is to be an emotional crutch to the white main character um and greg braxton from the l Times noted that the black best friend functions to support the heroine, often with sass, attitude, and a keen insight into relationships in life. Um, which is so funny because when we see this trope played out in movies and TV, the black character has literally no storyline other than being supportive, but suddenly they have the key to unlock the entire plot and help out the main character. Um, so. Can you give an example? I know we have that later, but I think we should just give an example of that. Um, So we've seen this in The Matrix with the Oracle and Morpheus. Uh, We've seen this in Devil Wears Prada with the best friend that we only see like twice in the beginning and the end of the movie. Um, Yo, I forgot about her for a second. And she's from Ryan. I love her. She's in the movie, right? Um, You see this in Sex in the City, the, the movie with Jennifer Hudson's character. Oh, and I'm ready to go off about this. I just watched Dune and you see it in Dune. Um, Zendaya has no lines, really. She, she only has a handful of lines. Um, we don't actually meet her character and sorry for spoilers, but we don't actually meet her character until the end of the movie. And she's basically there as Timothy Chalamet's kind of uh, spirit guide to help him unlock his path and journey. Um And this is something that I've talked about with Amari and Kia a lot, where it seems like a lot of shows nowadays are kind of blackfishing, where they'll promote it as if this story is mainly focusing on a black character. I mean, when you look at the the poster for Dune, it's Timothy Chalamet's the biggest and then Zendaya is like the second biggest. But Zendaya is not even in the movie. You see it with uh, Bridget. We saw it with Bridgerton. Uh, We saw it with... um, what is it, Georgia and in, in, in something, some show on Netflix, but we just see it a lot. That awful show on Netflix yes. written by those two women with that infamous scene. Two white women. But it's just like this new wave of them trying to kind of fish and be like, we're woke, we cast all this other stuff. But it's basically like they're promoting as if the story is about a black person. And then it's the same thing that we've always seen, which is a motherfication trope where it, the story is about a white person and there's a black person who's simply there to help them and emotionally support them. So, yeah. We also see that with, um, I think, I think, I think, shows got called on out on it so much that it's not happening as much anymore but there was a very big stint where black women were seeming to be being like at high rates hired um to play therapists in shows a lot of the times to white people 
um, I'm thinking of um, Modern Love. There was one episode, Tina Fey's, and her husband had a black therapist. Um, You're the worst black therapist. Um, just like so many shows, and it's like, why why is it that we can only be seen as black women when we are when we have to take on other people's stuff? Yeah, and it's it's frustrating because you don't. On its nose, it seems like, oh, it's a good thing that black women are kind of being portrayed in this soft light when we talk so often about how black women are only seen as sexual or tough and independent. Right. So it is great that black women are being softened in this way, but we're only being softened in relation to helping and being subservient to white people and more specifically white women, which in society are always hyper feminized right so it's kind of like black women still can't we can't reach that goal of being hyper feminized but we can help a white woman get there and it's kind of like we're still as a society we're still not there we're still messing up dropping the ball and hurting black women but we also see it just to um when we talk about i think it's just like in general just people in general think that black women are there to serve or to help or like we have to press down our wants and desires to help other people we see this again in relationships we see even in the way that um men like for example like how men are raised versus like black women are raised uh i feel like some like we don't get the um i don't want to say like the mothering but i the nurturing is not the same it's not the same it's not as soft sometimes. It's a little bit harder and the expectation is higher. Like I feel like it's so easy to look at um, like my male counterparts that I've grown up with and just how far on different planes we are and how much I do not get coddled and they do. Like, but who's, do, like, who's doing the coddling? Again, the expectation is black women. So. I also think I was just about to tweet this. Um, right but now? like. Yeah, I was thinking. <laughs> I, I have thoughts, and I tw- Twitter's like my journal, y'all. So um, yes, you will see a tweet about this in about three seconds. But I was tweeting, like it seems almost like again, I'm black. I can only speak about black people in this in this contest. But it seems like constantly I see this on TikTok. But like black men's obsession with submission. Uh, maybe Janae you can talk about it because you're on TikTok or maybe you guys see it on social media but there's like always a thing of like when it's like why do you date white women or other people they're like they're easy they submit to me it's like a constant obsession with like submission and I'm not getting it I'm wondering if like maybe you guys have seen it or like I've seen I don't know it. I'll have to ask someone else about it and I, I'm just confused like I just saw a TikTok I think I sent it to you Janae about this black woman who's like you know like my introduction to black men was uh, you know it was like sexual predators it was being colorist it was making fun of me at school and never in my life have I publicly like shat on black men and said I don't date you because you did this trauma to me at at age two or whatever which i was like facts yeah a lot of women that have that story and then the comment this black man was like well y'all don't submit or and i'm like what is y'all i'm sorry i don't see anyone else talking about the submission shit but y'all you know it's funny to me that all of the white women i know are not submissive all of the white women in my life are the type of women 
who will tell you off if you act in crazy. And a lot of them date men of color and don't take no shit, which is very, very interesting. And I will also say that I've heard from black men before. I mean, I've had close friendships with black men where they straight up have said, admitted to dating white women because it's easier because white women are easier to to get and white women are easier to please. Um, yes, Amari. There's like that's like the hypocrisy and like someone we on social we asked, you know, the question like if people thought that um, black women are expected to mother others more, and I asked like why or why not, and like someone said they're like. There's so much um, conflict happening in what people expect from us because it makes no sense. We're difficult, supposedly. We don't submit, yet you're always looking at us to mother you and like nurture you and build you up, but yet we're hard. Like what, something's not, something's not making sense. It don't, it, it don't, like it don't curl all the way over. I'm thinking about one person who I used to be very close to and he seemed to always kind of have this irritation slash disdain for black women and things that would happen to black women. But then I look and his mama was the most supportive, be there for his broke ass all the time. And it don't make no sense when it's like on one on one end, you can have all of this vitriol for black women, but the black women in your life constantly help you support you and hold you up. I don't get it. But I think we're getting a little off topic, though. <laughs> no, I think I mean, I think it makes sense. I That's that's how it is in relationships. I just saw it because I'm like, I constantly see this thing and I'm like, I don't get them. The, I don't get wanting a partner to submit. Like, that's that's weird. That needs to be addressed separately. But it seems like almost like y'all want slaves as wives. Like, that's what it sounds like to me when I hear like, I want women to submit to me. What? I saw a TikTok explaining this and it was a black man explaining this saying that. Um, OK, let me get my thoughts in order. So in slavery or basically in the hierarchy of color and power, the white man basically always has his foot on the black man's neck. So in order for the black man to feel more powerful, he turns around and does that to the only support system that he has, which is the black woman. It's kind of like one of those situations where like, you know that you can kind of snap at or be rude or say something mean to your parent, to your sibling, to your partner, because you know they're not going anywhere and you know that they honestly love you. And sometimes you take out your anger on them on like when you don't need to. So basically, the black man was saying like black men do that to black women because they have nowhere to point their anger that the white man imposes that upon makes them. Sense. So it was a good TikTok. I'd have to find it. But guys, our resources can't just be straight TikToks. Are these being, is there like a bibliography <laughs> on this TikTok? Like where he got this info from? It's not like we watch Dusty's on TikTok. A lot of them are like no, educated like he professors and stuff. Very educated. And frankly, that made sense to me. It seemed like a math equation that was mathing. I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. I'm just, where is the original source? <laughs> it's not That's a reliable question. source. We can't, we can't, you know, it's crazy because I, I feel like teachers are soon going to have to be like, you know how teachers used to say Wikipedia is not a primary source? <laughs> They're going to have to be like, TikTok source. is not a primary source. You're so right. You're so right. <laughs> uh, but should we move on to the uh, Mammy? 
Yeah, so we just thought, you know, we're talking about like the ideas of black women, like these stereotypes, and I think the mammy is the closest to where the idea of mothering comes from. Uh, Y'all, I literally stole this paragraph from my thesis. Um, Makes me feel very like academic right now. Um, Excuse me. So, through the stereotypical image of the mammy, black women are seen as loyal domestic servants to white people, similar to Uncle Tom's stereotype born from Harriet Beecher Stowe's novel, Uncle Tom's Cabin, which portrays the title character as a black man who is happy to be excessively obedient to his white slave owners. But take pride both take pride and joy in providing for their white families over their own. While the mammy is seen as loving to her white kin, she is seen as aggressive, an aggressive controller over her black kin. And her physical image is usually portrayed as being aggressive um, and overbearing. They usually portray mammies um, as being like masculine, large with you know dark skin. And these features position a mammy as uh, non-threat sexually to her white female counterparts lots of layers lots of layers going in there but it's not ridiculous for people to say that black women are expected to nurture more because based off of slavery and what and how people used us this it's it's just fact very very uh educational there you gotta get it in there people love to come for us I mean, yeah, it's it's funny because it, it's almost like people like want to keep chipping on us, but it's like <laughs> I just think it's like funny because it's like we're like the most resilient group of people. Like try, y'all have been trying to steal everything from us, and it's just not gonna work. Mm-hmm. Y'all try to like steal our hair, our lips, our ass, our body. It's still not. We still look better than y'all. I mean, like I don't know. Step up your game. I just la- I just have to laugh when I see people like black fishing and then shitting on black women and try to date like a Kardashian lookalike of us. It's just like it's funny to me. The thing that is actually getting to me nowadays is like lip fillers. And when I say getting to me, I don't necessarily mean it's bothering me, but I feel like I'm seeing it more on everyday people. And it's so absolutely obvious. And I just wonder how people find these attractive and and find them attractive, one, to get them and to actually look at someone and say, ooh, her plump, full lips. I'm like, really? All right. Back to mothering. How about we talk about um, like all the times this has happened in our lives? And I guess I can start by saying in high school, I was really good friends with this girl. I've probably talked about her on this podcast before, but we were friends for a minute. Um, It was one of those frenemy friendships where you don't really necessarily like like someone, but you hang out with them because you don't want to sit alone in the lunchroom. Stupid young stuff. Uh, But anyway, she constantly made me like the black best friend all the time. It was so obvious and ridiculous she would go through stuff and she'd be like I just need your support and help like you're my and I think a few times she did say like you're my black best friend you know and I was like when I was younger I was really passive really passive um and she constantly constantly just kind of used me for support and advice in the moment I would ever try to talk about myself she would shift the conversation um it was not a good friendship at all and I think from that friendship forward I was like this I'm gonna try to not 
put myself in this situation again or let a white person put me in this situation again. Um, It can be hard because I do. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I do feel like I'm a very empathetic person. So I often do find myself being kind of like advice Mary. Um, But I do try to be very aware of it when it comes to my relationship with white women. Um, And especially, you know, just the dynamics with that. It can be an interesting thing when it's like it's your white friend who's complaining about things that you would never complain about because your entire life has been harder because you're black. It's it's very interesting. Yeah, I I feel like with my white friends, I definitely have to like. Oh, I feel like you just have to be like, I don't know, kind of like aware of that type of thing where it's like. You know, our lives are just very different. Like, the way you see things and the way I see things is just different. It's almost kind of like picking your battles slash conversations. I'm yeah. not saying be friends with white people who are constantly making you feel like shit. I'm just saying that life is life. And I feel like that's probably the same way if you had a white partner, too. Yeah. Like, you would probably have to explain some things to them. There are, um, there are, and it sucks. There are little things that I feel like as a black woman, you just kind of suck it up because you've always had to. You have to kind of take it and do it and be strong and be prepared to do certain things that you don't wanna do. And you've been having to do those things since you were little. Um, And I'm talking about just as simple as, I don't even know, walking to the store alone, like just doing something alone. I noticed that it seems that my white friends have a harder time doing that than my friends of color. And it's because our entire life, our parents were like, all right, you have to be independent. I even know financially, my parents didn't necessarily have the time to babysit me and take me here, take me there. They didn't have the time to coddle me. So I had to do things young. That's it. So I look at white friends who are like, "Uh, I don't know. Um, uh," It's like, get over yourself. Just do it. But anyway, Amari, do you have a time? No, yeah, I was just going to say, I feel like the situations that I find myself where I'm mothering people have probably mostly been, like, in, like, work scenarios or with uh, friendships where, you know when, like, something happens and it's done to you and, like, you're probably the one that should be upset, but it's always, like, one, trying to figure out how to address it so that, God forbid, I don't come off too aggressive, I don't hurt anyone's feelings, although this was something that's done to me, and I'm just trying to address it. And then you end up addressing it, and then it becomes about that person and their feelings, although it was something they did to you, and then becomes like, oh, coddling them and like trying to make them feel better about the situation. And it's happened to me it's happened to me quite a few times and, it, and it, I think it happens like again at pivotal moments in my childhood too like one example was uh, I think I may have mentioned that this on the podcast earlier uh in past seasons like someone tried to make not a funny joke really not uh tried to make a joke when I was on like the lacrosse bus and they're like uh well why don't you go back to the bus back of the bus where you belong and I was like ha 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 and then one of my friends was like, no, Mari, that was really, that was really messed up. Like, you should go, like, talk, like, you should, you should tell our coach. Like, you should, like, you shouldn't have to take that. So then I told the coach. And then it was, like, this whole big thing where he brought us together and was like, I think there was a misunderstanding, X, Y, and Z. Anyways, by the end of it, I had to make the other person feel better and also apologize. Also, although it was someone that told me to get to the back of the bus. So 
again, just you, you see these like little instances and I, I think it took me a while to dissect these situations and under fully understand them. But looking back, I'm like, no wonder I speak so meek and mild and it's like been, it's been taking me years to like actually have a voice and like speak up the way I want to is because I've always been trying to appease other people and consider their feelings before my own and making sure I don't come off too hard or I don't come off as a threat and all this stuff. And those are like walking through the day as a black person, as a black woman, it's like a continuous mind fuck in your brain. Like each day is a Rubik's cube and you just got to figure out how to move it in a way that I don't know. Like it's never, it's never ending. And that, that shit's exhausting and you have to do it for your survival. That's, that's the kicker right there. And that's the thing I don't think white people get though. They don't. And that's something I've accepted because I'm like, I want to do this project. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I want to like, so every day I use, I read the New York times newsletter and every day I pick out a, a, a byline where it's like, I feel like no matter what it is, it could be like oranges are declining and it's affecting black people at higher rates. It's like every single time I read the news, no matter if it's any topic, it's always like clockwork, how it affects black people larger. And I'm talking every day because I think white people think we're exaggerating, but I'm talking every day. It's a reminder of either it's going to be harder because you're a woman or you're black or both. Um, and I don't think I, I really want white people to get that in their heads that like if you read headlines every single day about how like people are belittling you and look at you less and your life is harder, of how emotionally taxing that is. Um, and I just don't think they get that, but I, that's something I really want to try to like install in people where it's like, that's just something you can never relate to, but I want you to, to try because that's our life. I was going to say it's crazy because you put together having to tiptoe around white people because you know you get into these situations where if you're too mean or aggressive you're going to have to apologize you see in the news you see in tv that black lives are harder no wonder black women always end up being mothers sometimes it's easier to just be soft and submissive and let shit roll off your back than it is and that's not saying that that is what it is to be a mom but we see mothers do that um And it's just like, no wonder, no wonder. What else you gonna do? You gotta survive and you don't wanna be mad all the damn time. Yeah, damn, I have my heater on. I hope that didn't uh, affect the audio quality, but um, I don't have a particular story. I don't think it's probably, I mean, similar to like the work stuff and people just making things about them, which is too common to count. So I don't really have a particular one. Um, But if we wanna go really quickly, I mean, we can go into social responses or how do we prevent this in the future, whichever one. So let's go to social responses because it kind of builds up on what we've been saying. So the first, we did a IG poll and we said, do you think black women are expected to nurture, nurture people more than others? 65 people or 96% said always. Three people or 4% said not really. And then I did a follow-up question and I said, why uh, or why not? And people said, we have to counterbalance coming across as threatened. We have to counterbalance coming across as threatening and must reach out first. Another person said, black women been putting others first and themselves last before Harriet Tubman sacrificed her freedom to free the other black people in bondage. Someone said, because of black tax and cultural expectations. Another person said, that's what we do. 
Uh, someone else said, personally, all of my non-black friends view me as their personal therapist. That harkens back to what we're talking about, about black therapists. Um, and also Janae kind of, like you said, your friend kind of expecting you to be like her crutch or like her, her go-to black friend. Um, someone else said, because weak slash sensitive black women have zero representation in the media. Someone else said, slavery is always the answer. <laughs> Yes. Another person said, yes, several aspects of our society worldwide tie black women's worth to how well they provide emotional slash physical support from wet nursing white people's babies to mammies. And then the last answer was because slave times we were expected to be seen as a nurturer to the owner's kids. Also, society sees us as less desirable and puts us in these roles instead of in our fullness. Our listeners, our followers, they are just... They're, they're right here with us. They're on the they're ball. Like right We're in the same mm-hmm. lane, and I'm loving it. Loving it. Ba da ba ba ba. But I mean, one thing I've been trying to think about in my life too is like, I know I'm great at pointing out a problem. I'm fantastic. I will complain. I will point out shit that I don't like that I think is wrong. But rarely do I'm, am I like, I have a solution. Um, so I'm wondering if we have like any ideas of. Um, how others can be aware of this or how we can prevent, you know, like this, this in the future. I know it's kind of broad. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to quickly spit out some thoughts. And generally, before I do that, I'm going to say that I don't necessarily think that there are quick fixes for this problem. And all of the things that we talk about on this podcast are so personal to us and hard because there aren't any fixes, right? Or any fixes that people are willing to put into place. But anyway, I think something that we can do is, you know, diversify writers rooms. Um, Don't just add some white women to the mix uh, to write scripts and then think you've done your job. No, they don't represent everyone's voices. Um, Recognize when you're centering yourself in a situation. Amari, did you put that? Weaponizing white yeah, tears? Yeah, I put that. I put, I put that, yeah. Okay. Well, thanks. Sorry I read that. No, you're okay. <laughs> um, and put black stories at the forefront. Uh, we've had decades of white stories. We're over it. I am so sick of seeing a white woman at the center of shit. It's done. It's dusty. We get it. Period. Yeah. I think like the most thing, I think everything just requires people to be introspective and just to reflect. And if you don't do that, it's gonna be harder for you to recognize when you are centering yourself in a situation that is not about you and it's about someone else. So just like be aware of that um, and just key into it, particularly white women. And white women, if you're listening and you consider yourself allies, if someone points out something to you that they think is wrong, don't immediately become defensive and be like, oh, well, I didn't mean this, or like, I'm sensitive to this, and it, it hurt me that I didn't get it. It's not about whether it hurt you. Like, just take take the feedback, absorb it, and do better. Like, I think that goes for everything, too. I think that goes for, like, it's always going to, to make this world a better place, we have to do extra steps. And I know life is exhausting. Adulting is exhausting. I get it. But if we want And we're to all make not perfect. Some- we get it. Yeah, we get it. But it's like we can't just sit here um, and be white liberals and be voting for, uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren and Hillary Clinton and Bernie and be like, I want the world to be a better place. But you ain't doing shit behind the scenes. 
And I think a lot of people fall into that category. Um, y'all out here marching for women's right, but y'all don't be doing shit besides helping yourself, you know? Um, so I'm just, I, th- I think that just, we need to go deeper in every way, shape or form. And that goes for any type of allyship. And it also goes for like, I think if you guys want to be a better friend or a better like partner. Um, but you know what, what I've learned over the last couple of months is that people just aren't there and that's the exhausting part people just aren't there to me it's common sense okay i want to be a better person i want to be a better ally i want to be a better partner for whoever decides to come into my life but it's like oh damn this is not common but it should be but that's just a hard truth i've had to swallow so you so right with that um should we move to the shits yes please. let's do it Okay. And I'm going to ask you guys to answer this question instead of giving my advice. Okay. okay. Are you sure your advice at any point or never? Maybe never. No, I'm joking. I will. I will. Okay. My friend is in a really bad relationship where they break up often, but she keeps on going back. Her boyfriend is verbally abusive, has been physically abusive, and has been caught multiple times texting other girls. Every time this stuff happens, I feel like I spend so much time listening and supporting as she talks about leaving the relationship. Each time she gets so close to leaving, but the next thing I know, she's forgiven him and they are back together. I want to support her because I really do feel that she is a victim of abuse and needs to know that she has a place to go. But I'm getting sick of this situation. I'm sick of the excuses she makes for him and it's starting to hurt even more to just watch her kind of wither away as a person. How do I tell her to keep me out of her relationship but still support her? Oh man. <laughs> Haven't we all had this friend? Um, to be honest, that shit's annoying. I get it. Um, I'm very, I'm probably a little more on the ruder side, but I just won't answer questions or texts about your dude. Um, and to the point where you get, oh, Kia doesn't care. I won't say it to you, but you know I don't care because I'm very obvious about things I care about and I don't care about him nor your relationship, to be honest. I have a friend that I'm doing that now. She don't be asking me. I hear from another friend. I don't care. It's obvious. Now, I know that everyone's not like that. I think you can tell her, hey, I love you. I support you. But honestly, I'm emotionally exhausted hearing about this relationship that is, you know, you could say it in nice words. I don't know how to say it in nice words, to be honest. But, you know, I'm emotionally exhausted. I love you. I want to be your friend. But can we just not talk about him? Um, Because I just don't know how to help you anymore. Like, in a way that's empathetic. And I would also suggest, like, you know, maybe if you have these problems constantly, like, you know, maybe it's time to seek a professional. I know people get offended about therapy. I don't know why, but I think there's nothing wrong. Like, people have a tendency to think your friends are a free therapist. We're not. We're not uh, trained in that shit. People pay a lot of money for therapists. And there's only so much you can help your friend. So I think suggesting therapy is one, telling her to remove you from the conversation. And I also think, like, I would suggest, like, I think this is a good one, but I was just like, hey, write this letter, write your problems into like the read or sufficiently black or something like that. Because usually when people read that shit back, they could see how fucking crazy they sound. I feel like so many times Kia and I are like oil and water, like fire and ice is just opposite. I've, uh, you know, I think it's hard. I think it's just a really hard situation 
especially when you can, you're on the outside and you can tell, like you can see things that you think are wrong or like you're like, that feels like, that feels like it's abusive emotionally, physically, um, and you get worried. And to me, honestly, yeah, I think like I might be tired emotionally and you can, I think you just got to know when to be like, hey, I can't handle this today. Like if she, if they say something, you be like, I can't handle this today. And then you can come back to it and let them know when you are in a space yourself to receive that information. I'm, for me personally, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you not to talk to me about your relationship. I'm not gonna cut that off because I also know how isolating it can be to be in something and not feel like you have anyone to go to. And I'd also want to make sure that person knows like if it ever got to that point where like you needed to escape and you needed to go somewhere, like I am, I can be that person for you to land. I just like want to, I would also, I would just want to keep my lines to them as open as possible because I feel like whether people realize it when they are the emotional, when they are the abuser or not, their their tactic is to cut people off from the ones that they love and who they know. Like that is a tactic of it. So I'm just not going to separate myself from them. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think that's, I think it's like emotionally, the emotional baggage though is what, I also think like you like spending all this emotional energy for talk, keep constantly talking to your friend, your friend's not going to get it. Okay, like that's that's the hard truth. You don't um, know that. No, but the, the your friend's gonna get it when she wants to get it and when it's her time to get it. Like we see this time and time again. Like that's just how that's that's how we see it. Like you can talk to her or whatever, but she's going to do it when it's her time to do it. Like I'm just saying that there needs to be a a boundary there because I think people are so quick to just wrap their friends into like their entire mess, dump dump emotional baggage when it's like I can only handle so much. I have my own life, and you're not going to get it. Like I'm telling you the same thing. I'm suggesting everything that I can think of, and you're not going to get it when it's your time to get it. And that's okay. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but that's just reality. Like you're gonna get it when it's your time to get it, and I'm not gonna like lose sleep at night because. I'm just not like sorry to try to put that in a, in a blanket way, but like you're going to get it when it's your time to get it, and I'm just not going to uh, constantly hear about this when I can only help you so much, and I can only help you from how you want to get help. Yeah, like I, I get not cutting off someone, but I don't know. I just think that's something that this generation isn't good with, and this generation is also totally okay with like not setting boundaries not like but I think you can I think you can still be there for someone and still set your boundaries within that like you can determine how you're going to be there and show up I'm not saying you have to like answer every call or saying but like just check in with yourself and see whether you can take that on in that moment I just don't know I don't know and maybe that's just because I'm not comparing my situation to that I've never been in an maybe I have been in an emotional relationship abusive relationship but I haven't I don't know it yet I haven't dissected it, but I have, as a person who goes through like anxiety and depression, I have gone through moments where I've like backed away from my friends and like people kept on reaching out to me. And even though like, I know it was probably emotionally taxing for them, I did really appreciate the fact that I knew that they were gonna be there when I was ready. So I think maybe I'm just, I don't know. I just don't. I think that's a communication thing too though, because I'm totally okay with people taking time to themselves. I just think a quick like, 
I'm, I'm just not here today or like I, I don't know something because I think people are just too comfortable in this what I've seen in this world of like constantly like just being shitty constantly not answering constantly ghosting and then expecting like a lot of um return on that friendship when it's like you you basically like chewed me out spit me out and then you expect me to be the same friend and personally for me I'm just not going to do that um if you know me you know I'm a good friend you know I will do anything for you and you should know that but you should also know that I value communication and and I have to stick with my values too but I'm just saying there's a balance I'm not saying be be a shitty friend but I feel like y'all are saying the same thing y'all are just kind of on the opposite and uh, like you guys are both in the middle but one of you is more to the left and one of you is more to the right which i feel like is always how things are i i think you just have to find a balance and depending on your personality that balance might be leaning more towards empathetic or more towards um centering your needs you know i think that's fair yeah and i think also i think also um you know, I've last fall I I interviewed a few um, domestic, uh, you know, like abuse survivors, and you know, I think it was a common theme was like, you know, they they recognized like after being out of those situations that it was hard for people to stay with them for as long as they could. Like it's like after they were out of it, they recognized that it was hard. Um, but I think they were they were said they were just like very thankful for the people who who like kept up with them and were like staying there. So I think I think it's like I don't know. I think I think maybe your friend realizes that I think your friend is probably aware that like you might be tired of reaching a point, um, and that also like what she's in is hard. So I also don't want like maybe that's just like having that conversation and being yeah. open to see like what she thinks about it too because she she might be aware so i like kia said we all we all have had friends that have been there right i know women that are are in this situation i know women that have been in this situation and it's so difficult as the friend because you just want to shake them you just want to be like bitch don't call my phone no more because this is annoying i've given you so much advice i've been here for you so many times and you just you're not you're you're not taking it and it's kind of like i know like kia said you're not gonna take this advice until you're ready to take this advice and that's just how these things are but on the same token i would absolutely hate for shit to really go down and you did not feel like you can come to me you to feel like you're completely alone you to feel like i'm finally ready to leave this situation but i've burned all my bridges and i have no one to come to like it's a really really hard situation and my advice combination y'all know i'm a mild ass bitch but combination of what amari and kia said is to be honest with your friend and say i love you to death but we have been here so many times and we have gone over this so many times and it doesn't feel like anything's changing i love you and i am here for you if shit ever really goes down but I can't be your emotional support for this over and over and over again if nothing changes. Yeah, I think that's a fair way of, oh, sorry, I didn't know I was following you. That's a fair way of saying it. Um, I, I, I just personally, I'm kind of just over the the lack of accountability and the, the lack of um, communication. I, I just think people get a little too comfortable with like dumping emotional baggage, ghosting, coming in and out of people's lives. And it's like, if I wanted to be treated like a fuckboy, I would actually 
find a fuck boy. Like, once I feel like you're treating me like that, I don't know. I had a friend recently that decided to ghost me for three months and then decided to come back and was like, she never apologized. She never, she just said, well, like, you should understand and like... Yeah, no, her response was really gross. And, I and like, she was like, I don't have to explain myself to anyone. But think and about I, if this wasn't a friend who did that, though, Kia. Think about if this was, like, a really good friend. If it wasn't, but I'm friend. saying that's... If it was a really good friend, you would know, you know where I stand, though. Mm. Like, and you... That's what I'm saying. Like, you also... There there needs to be a... A, a relationship is two ways. If, if all my friends know that they could come to me, whether I've heard about this nigga eight million times or two, you know that. But once you start like treating me like shit I'm not going to I'm just right, not but going I don't to think stand it's to her. The, I don't think this particular situation is that yeah but I still think you need to communicate like she's you're not like you just can't you can only take emotional baggage for, for so yeah. much I think the person writing in needs to communicate that they're feeling burnt out because maybe their friend doesn't know that's true and that's what I'm saying the communication part is like you, yeah, if you're if you're just allowing your friend to be like talking about this dude like every day and you're not saying anything, she's gonna think, oh, it's okay to come to you about this because you don't say anything. Yeah. So yeah, I think it needs to be communication on your part, and I think your friend also needs to to be better with like not constantly communicating because you're not her therapist. And you can also try kind of changing the conversation too. A more non-confrontational way of doing it is once they start talking about their problems in their relationship you could just kind of be like damn that sucks so i ate some pasta today you could also do that too i mean i know that that's That's what i do it's not the most like i don't know assertive thing it's a more passive way of saying like i don't want to hear about this um because once again we all want to be supportive we all want to be good friends but there are those friends who constantly go back to shitty relationships and they're all about your friendship when they need help and advice and to cry about their boyfriend and then as soon as they get back together who you who are you so i don't know this is hard we've talked we we beat this to death we beat this to death obviously this is a really hard issue situation whatever but hopefully your guys are able to have that conversation yeah um, and reach a point where your level of communic you're both comfortable with the ways you guys are communicating janae do you want to ask us if our hearts and minds are clear? are all hearts and minds cleared yes okay church is adjourned hey Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. You can talk to us on social media at sufficientlyblk. Email us at sufficientlyblackpodcast at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. You can listen to us anywhere you get podcasts. And don't forget to follow us so you don't miss any new episodes. Until next time. Bye. 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 It seems like as humans, we are obsessed with defining ourselves. Identities have quickly become labels and vice versa. But the way I see it, human beings are much more complex, ever evolving and at times contradictory. My name is Sadia Khan. I'm fascinated by our relationship to our identities and different stories we are creating around them. I explore all of these dynamics on my podcast, Immigrantly. We drop new episodes every Tuesday. We are available wherever you get your podcasts.